0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And have you ever thought about what would happen if you became a huge sensation in social? If you all of a sudden had an opportunity to do so many things that you never thought were possible, that you could even change Your career if you wanted to and start to be an even like bigger success than what you envisioned it all to be. Well, today I am like, honestly, I didn't sleep last night. I've been so excited. I met this fantastic woman. And I just, you know, we've already spoken. We've had these great conversations. And now today I get to bring her to you. You probably already know her. Her name is Joanne Molinaro. And she is literally right now, you guys, has 4.5 million fans across her social media platforms. She is a New York Times best-selling author. She's also known as the Korean Vegan. She's appeared on the Food Network, CBS Saturday Morning, ABC Live with Kelly and Ryan, The Today Show, PBS, Rich roll podcast. she's been featured in the Los Angeles Times, Washington Post Atlantic. you name it she's been doing it her debut cookbook was selected as one of the best cookbooks of 2021 by the New York Times and the American woman bo- oh she's an American woman I'm like getting <laughs> so excited about this she's an American woman born in Chicago. Her parents were both born in what is now known as North Korea, and Molinaro started her blog, The Korean Vegan, in 2016 after adopting a plant-based diet, and in July 2020, she started her TikTok, mostly as a coping mechanism because she felt isolated when we had the global pandemic, she began posting content related to politics, life as a lawyer during quarantine. However, after a single post of her making Korean braised potatoes for dinner, while her husband taught a piano lesson in the background, it's the greatest, greatest video, by the way, it went viral. And she ended up shifting her attention to producing 60 second recipe videos while telling stories about her her family immigrant from what is now known as north korea you're listening to the relaunch podcast and i'm your host hillary de caesar best-selling author speaker and transformational coach widely recognized in the worlds of neuropsychology and business launches, which cultivated the one and only 3HQ method, helping midlife women, yep, that's me too, rebuild a life of purpose, possibility, and inspiring business ventures. Each week, we'll be diving into the stories that brought upon the most inspirational relaunches while sharing the methods and the secrets that they learned along the way so that you too can have not just an ordinary relaunch, but an extraordinary relaunch. This has been one of the most exciting times for me, Joanne, because what it's done is I always do research about the people that are coming on. Well, all of the things that you've done became viral to me. (laughs) <laughs> and I started watching and then I watched another and another, and I'm holding up your book right now, The Korean Vegan. I was so like watching all these food videos of you doing, I'm like, I got to get the book. I got to like, I got to start cooking more. I've got to like, I've got to start practicing more of what you're teaching. So Joanne, thank you. Welcome. What an honor it is to have you here today.
1: Well, Hillary, it is a complete honor to be here. Thank you so much for the beautiful introduction. I could not be more thrilled to be sitting virtually here with you to talk about food and all the wonderful things that you share with your audience on a daily basis.
0: Well, and you know what's so fascinating is when I have guests on, I I always ask them, you know, hey, let's go down the path of, you know, that most significant um, relaunch that you've really done. And as I'm watching all these videos and as I'm watching you um, on TikTok and you're sharing what's so unique and different is you're sharing these recipes, you're making them, but you're you're you have these this you talk over and you are explaining your history, you're explaining your family history, you're explaining your, you know, the emotions, the feelings, the of what's coming up for you. And there are so many relaunches. I feel like I I've been deemed the queen of relaunches, but you know what? You're my soul sister. <laughs> I love you, have, that. <laughs> you have so many as well, but I'd love to start with, you know, I know there's so many people that are listening and you are, you know, this, this you're, you are what we all would love to attain. You, you know, we want to make an impact. It's not just becoming, you know, a a phenom on TikTok or Instagram, all of that. That's great. That's because you're delivering such amazing content and you're so inspiring. But for those that are out there right now, You've been, you were an attorney for a very long time. Can you share your relaunch journey from going from being an attorney to all of a sudden, like things completely shifted for you with, as you said, that viral video that you did and your life, your life changed, but, but lead me up to that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: Well, I think that relaunch story is a really fun one. And, you know, because it's afforded me this opportunity to do what I love and have impact, Hillary, just like you said. But before that, I started my career as a lawyer all the way back in 2004. So I've been a practicing lawyer for 18 years. And I did it really out of panic. I had graduated early from college. I had no idea what I wanted to do. All I knew was that I couldn't live with my mom and dad anymore. So I really needed to get a job. And I kind of was, you know, back in that day, I was looking through the classifieds. I have my big blue marker out, and I was circling the ads for entry-level jobs. And I found one for a resume writer. So I became a resume writer for a few weeks. And at that time few weeks. I know for a few weeks. That was not
0: that was not a really big <laughs> It was
1: not a career. It was a job. And really I used it as a chance to look at everybody else's resumes. Well, what what had they done with their careers? And I saw one that happened to be for a lawyer. And I said, hey, I think I could do this. You know, this looks like a good enough job for Joanne. Why not? My mom always told me I was overly argumentative. Maybe it was meant to be. (laughs) (laughs) And so I- became a trial lawyer. (laughs) Yes, I became a trial lawyer. And it was really, I mean, as unintentional as that. I don't necessarily recommend that kind of approach to a career, but it's a very understandable one. We're so young when we're told that you need to now make decisions that will affect the rest of your life. We just have so little experience and knowledge of who we are at that time. And what happens is autopilot sort of just kicked in for me. And I was like, all right, I got all this anxiety. How do I soothe this anxiety? Go to law school. It's so easy.
0: So that's what I did. Keep staying in school. Keep going down that path. You don't have to, you know, nobody ever pushes you when you're like, I'm in school, I'm studying for- Totally got that. And it is so interesting that when you have to finally, you know, select, you know, pick your major, get out, you know, you're, you got to get out fast. Remember, my dad said, you know, you got four years, I don't care what you end up becoming, you don't want to be a doctor, then what are you going to do? What's going to yep. make it in four? But did you when you were young, let me just kind of take you back there for a second. What did you aspire to be? What were you like, you know, I dream of being?
1: That's such a great question. I'm actually been thinking about this recently, and I always wanted to be a singer. That was what I thought God put me on this planet for was to be a musician. Joanne, have been... do, you have a,
0: do you have a good voice?
1: <laughs> so I, I did. I studied vocal performance for many years, and I, you know, I played multiple instruments, but singing was always my passion, and I thought one day I would be either, you know, singing at the Lyric, you know, the the Lyric Opera House in Chicago, which is where I was born and raised, or on Broadway, or I'd have my own label. I mean, this is what I thought I was going to do. And then the minute I felt even just a single hint of failure, Mm -hmm. I kind of gave up. You know, I I tried out for all the different conservatories. I didn't get into all of them. I got into a lot of them, but I didn't get into all of them. And I thought, well, this is a sign from God that I'm not talented enough to do this. And so I should just give up now while I still have a chance. And then I became a trial lawyer (laughs) instead.
0: Isn't isn't that interesting that you're like, you know what, but here's the thing. I really think that you know and I know you you are self-taught in photography and I do want to say the pictures are gorgeous in your book and I understand that you actually took all of them. I did. Incredible. Awesome. So if you're still thinking if there that little girl inside of you is <laughs> still saying I want to sing I have no doubt that you will. Now that we're putting <laughs> that out there right now, you're going to be singing soon because somebody's going to be like I want her to sing now. <laughs> it's Maybe. Gonna, it's going to happen. <laughs> Not right now, though. <laughs> and so you ended up going and you went to law school. You became the trial lawyer. And how long do you do that?
1: So I'm still actually with the firm. It's, mm-hmm. um, I'm of counsel. So I've been with the firm since 2004. So about
0: 18 years. Incredible. But now something incredible happened. And I love it. It ties into your husband. It ties into, so share with us kind of, you know, what happened there? Cause it's so good. Sure. So
1: 2016, my then boyfriend now has been announces to me, I'm going to go vegan. And I said, that's great. I don't think you actually know what that means. And I do not want to go vegan. So you're on your did own you, there, buddy. Wait, did you
0: know what it means?
1: <laughs> I did. I knew very well what it meant because, you know, partly because I'm just a regular woman. Like I've tried every diet known to man. And so I was very familiar with what a vegan diet meant. And I also I'd experimented with going vegetarian many years earlier. So I also knew how hard it would be for me. And so I told him, you're on your own. I don't want to do it with you. But that sort of attitude, it was not consistent with the kind of relationship that we had. I could tell that if I didn't join him soon enough, that eventually our relationship wouldn't make it. We were still very early on in our courtship, if you will. And therefore, there were a lot of different points in the road where he could have said, you know what, I need to find somebody who shares the same values with me when it comes to health, when it comes to fitness, and ultimately Mm. when it comes to diet. And I could sort of see that and sense that. So I kind of made this decision, like, we have so much that's so good with us, you know, our relationship is so great. And I think that has, you know, essentially been borne out over the years. But at the time, that's what I thought. So I was like, all right, if that means that I can't eat animal products, hamburgers, and bacon, and fried chicken, I'll give that up because I want to see where this relationship will take us.
0: So it's interesting that you said, first off, when you're talking about consistent, you know, it's got to be, it's hard to have somebody doing one thing and you're doing Mm -hmm. another and you're trying to make a meal for them. And just so everyone knows, vegan is you don't eat meat, you don't eat dairy. Correct. So- you were at that point eating meat and yes. you started to say okay that's a that's a big commitment from you too when you're dating to say okay i'm going to i'm going to now become vegan because that is a life decision that you're both going to have so you at this point were dating how long before you're like all right i'm all in i'm going to go vegan yeah. I think about a year and a half we had been dating, maybe le- actually maybe less than that, maybe about a little over a year. Okay. So you've now been dating a year. Now you're saying I'm going vegan. And what were those initial first, you know, weeks? What'd you think about being vegan? What was going on through your mind and your body around this decision?
1: I think there were two big things. Number one, my biggest concern was that going vegan would dilute my relationship with my own culture because I didn't know any Korean people who were vegan, and I had no resources. There were no books; nothing existed for me to, you know, veganize Korean food, and that really was a heavy concern of mine because Anthony's not Korean; he's white, and I, I just that threatened me and and that is why i created the korean vegan because i was like oh well i need to figure this out right i think the other thing was other than that sort of dilution of my relationship with my culture i saw no other downside it was better for my health it was better for the environment it was better for my relationship and so with all of those things kind of combined and my ability to ultimately veganize all the korean food that i loved then there was zero downside to me okay so i have i have
0: a couple questions that are popping up (laughs) immediately how did you know anthony was gonna hang in there with being a vegan i mean you're you're making all these changes and choices i I mean he could have been like after a month or two been like ah you know okay not doing this anymore how did you know he was all in that is a very fair question because i
1: didn't know and I just always assumed like, all right, if he stops, then I get to stop too. <laughs> but at the end of the now day- Now with this beautiful
0: <laughs> book that I'm holding, you can't oh stop
1: now. <laughs> no, now we're fully committed. And even if he were to stop, like I'm fully committed and I I couldn't do it either. Then it would
0: be the paleo, right? Then yeah. all of a sudden you're the Korean paleo and <laughs> then you're the Korean vegetarian. No, no I dang. think we have to stick. <laughs> Exactly. And so my other question is you mentioned that you hadn't ever seen this in, you know, there that vegan wasn't part of the Korean diet. Did you get any pushback from, you know, you talk a lot about your mom, you talk a lot about your family. Did they say, Hey, what are you doing? You're like changing everything up.
1: I didn't get pushback from my family, at least at first. In the beginning, they understandably assumed that this was just another attempt by Joanne to lose weight, and they were all supportive of that, and they always have been. And so they're like, oh, she's just trying to lose weight. That's fine. Good for her. I think where I did receive a lot of pushback and still do to this day is from the larger Korean-American community. I think a lot of people would look at my book and see the word vegan and say, well, then it can't be Korean. I do get that Ah, attitude a lot. And that is very frustrating and obviously very hurtful to me because I put so much of my family and my culture and the diaspora into everything that I do. It just also happens to be plant-based.
0: Isn't that amazing? Because here, what you started out to make sure that you stood, you know, you still were honoring that there are people out there that are like, but wait a second, you know, that's not what we eat. We're not vegans and now, you know, best-selling, you know, book, cookbook, (laughs) kind of like, you know, Hey, there, there are people out there that want, that want this. So I'd love to continue down this, your, your, your boyfriend, you are working it out. I'm I'm about to say husband, because we know that that's where this goes What were you thinking though? As were you a cook? Were you like cooking things up when you were young? Was this something? No. Uh, No.
1: I was a terrible cook. I burned everything, or everything came out raw.
0: Okay, (laughs) that. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so glad you just said that because I looked at your cookbook and I'm like, oh my God, like this, she must be really good. She must've been like, you know, this must've been her passion when she was younger.
1: <laughs> nope, nope. I was a your classic professional woman. I relied heavily on delivery and takeout. I really didn't do a lot of cooking before I went vegan.
0: Okay, so everyone that's listening, <laughs> we now know we can do this.
1: You we absolutely can. can. Supporting but, I mean us.
0: Okay. Beautiful,
1: delicious food can be easy to make.
0: Okay. So you start down this path, you're going to be a vegan and there is that moment of, all right, like, was it one night? Was it, I'm going to whip something up. When was that true beginning of starting to, you know, chop and dice and slice and think, how can I, how can I make this into something I can eat?
1: You know, I think it started with chocolate cake. My boyfriend. Chocolate loved, cake? I yeah, like you going. <laughs> I know. He loves chocolate cake. I mean, he will, he will always eat chocolate cake. And again, we were still new in our relationship. I wanted to impress him. So I made a bangin' vegan chocolate cake. And he was like, this is so good. You should start a YouTube channel called The Korean Vegan. And you should share all your recipes. And I literally started a YouTube channel and an Instagram and a Facebook that very day. And that's really when it started.
0: Okay. Let's talk about this for a second. <laughs> you had an idea. You had that intuition. He gave you some like, you know, hey, try this. And it it hit. What about that really connected when he said it? Take me back to that moment when you hear it. And and because you acted on it right away, which we talk all the time about relaunch and acting on your intuitive hits, don't just hear them or ignore them, listen to them, but you did it. So what happened?
1: I think the main thing was that I agreed with him. My cake was really, really good. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? Other people should eat this cake, That's really all I wanted was to share these recipes. I also knew, obviously there are a lot of vegan chocolate cakes, but there was very little on vegan kimchi. There was very little on vegan tenjangjigae and all the Korean foods that I knew tasted delicious. And I was like, okay, well, there's a demand. I'm demanding it and there's no supply. It's basic economics. There's a demand, there's no supply. Let me be the supplier for this demand.
0: Oh, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to pause you there. We got to go off for a very quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into what was that moment where you actually knew you had something. So Mm -hmm. we'll come back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by my very own labor of love. My most recent book, Relaunch. This book is a collection of my stories, other stories, and is a motivational guide to living a new 3HQ lifestyle, sparking your heart to ignite your life. It's available for purchase via Amazon. Get ready to try on the 3HQ method that I've been using for years throughout my entire life, reaching the next level in all areas, both professionally and personally. Get your copy today at www.therelaunchbook.com. Hey everyone, welcome back. I've got Joanne Molinara. She is the Korean vegan. And oh my gosh, we've been talking up about, you know, entering into such a big, massive decision of becoming a vegan first off and wanting to realize that, you know, you got, if you're really, Really focused and committed to a relationship, how important it is to make sure that you do have commonalities, that you're not, you know, completely so far off of each other. And Joanne, before we went on break, we were talking about the idea that, you know, your, your, at that time, boyfriend said, you know, you've been, you've been going vegan. And you've been starting to play around, especially you had, you know, mastered a chocolate cake. And all of a sudden, you you know, he said, you should be doing this. You should be making more, you know, items. You should be putting this out there. And so what, when you did that, you said, I did it that afternoon. And I said, it was all about intuition and taking the chance. And what about his comment just struck the chord that said, do it now.
1: Well, I've always been one of those persons when somebody gives me a good idea, I just do it. Because I felt, well, what again is the downside to me starting an Instagram account or a Facebook page or a YouTube channel? If I don't have time to do it, then nobody's putting a gun to my head saying, you must post an Instagram post today. It's all up to me. And if I want to do it, I can do it. If I don't want to do it, I don't have to. I think the other thing, Hillary, was that I was a lawyer. I spent almost all of my time being incredibly logical, very analytical, and I very rarely had the opportunity to use the more creative sides to my brain. And so again, when he said, why don't you post on Instagram and YouTube? I said, oh, well, here's a really good excuse to not just flex my cooking muscles, but also my photography muscles, my videography muscles. I can brush up on things like that. I could start writing again, you know, on a blog. So all of this appealed to me so much. And again, this idea of wanting to share Korean vegan food because there was nobody else at the time who was really doing it. I actually made a very similar decision in my lawyer career. When I was a 30-year associate, I was approached by the head of my practice, or you know, the head of litigation, I should say. And he says, you need to start thinking about what you want to specialize in. And I was like, okay, well, All of my peers in my exact same class, they're picking X, Y, and Z. Nobody's picking bankruptcy. I'm going to pick bankruptcy because I can see Mm. there's a path directly ahead of me to partnership because nobody is going to be in my way. Nobody's going to be competing with me. I'll be the only person in that space. That was a very similar decision when I decided to, to do the Korean Vegan.
0: I think you just said something so huge, and I want to make sure everyone heard that you didn't go down that common road. You find things that are, you know, the outliers, the ones that, you know, are not everyone else is doing it. That is so powerful. And as you said that, you know, you, you really didn't have anywhere else to go out there. There wasn't now, I'm sure today there's probably a ton, but when you thought about getting it out there and you started to want to do a blog and you said YouTube, were you focused on one platform or were you focused on a ton of different platforms?
1: Well, at the time, Anthony had specifically said, you should start a YouTube channel. So that's what I focused on at first, but The jump from photography, still photography, which I had some experience with at the time to videography, was an incredibly technical leap and one that required more of my time than I really had to give. I I was a newly minted partner at a law firm. I didn't have hours to sit around and figure out how to do all the video editing software. So I started in YouTube and then quickly shifted to Facebook and Instagram, where sometimes just a picture with my phone would suffice with sharing the kind of, you know, inspiration and recipes that I was trying to share with the community. So I was focused very heavily in those early days on Facebook, Instagram, a little bit of Snapchat as well, where there was a little bit of a lower lift in Mm -hmm. terms of the kinds of content I had to create.
0: How much time were you really focused on getting yourself ready. Like you said, the pictures, I mean, you have this incredibly successful job and now you're starting to, at this point, you're just, you're having fun with it, right? This is a side hobby. You're just, you know, things are like, Oh, I like doing this, but you know, how much time were you spending in your day?
1: I was spending as little or as much as I really wanted to. And that obviously depended upon how much energy I had left over after a full day of work. So on most days, like it would be like 15, 20 minutes. I had to cook anyway, right? Because we were vegan and there weren't a lot of options for us. So I was already cooking every day. And if I just needed to take a picture of it after I made whatever I was eating for dinner, that didn't take a lot of work. Later on, I would say probably after a year, I started paying a lot more attention to creating beautiful photographs, not because somebody told me to or because I had to, but just because I wanted to. I saw other people creating beautiful food photographs and I was inspired by them. So, you know, I got out my camera. I learned a lot more about lighting and position, food styling, composition. And again, it was just a hobby. Like you said, there was no pressure by anyone other than myself. To be like, well, I want to do a better photograph than I did the day before.
0: But I do want to make sure that we re emphasize the fact that in the first year, it wasn't about like those amazing pictures. You were using your phone, but you did say something that you were showing up consistently. You were doing something. You were doing something daily. It didn't have to take a lot of time. But as you said, hey, I'm cooking. I'm cooking. So I might as well take a picture of it. And that all of a sudden turned into, you know, you were just doing it. Then you, then you got kind of, you know, inspired by seeing some of these other beautiful cooking pictures. So you started to learn even more about your equipment, about taking great pictures. When did you, and maybe you did it from the very beginning, did you always have like that idea about that voice over to what you were doing? Cause I love when you let it like sizzle and then you're actually talking over it and it, you have this, again, you have this like song like type of voice. So it's very like, you just listen, you're like, what a great story. (laughs) But I think they're all like under, you know, a minute or whatever they are. And it was just, it's so great. But you know what, tell us a little bit about that. So I wasn't always doing that. And that certainly wasn't part of the
1: original plan of the Korean vegan. The plan was simple, like people need Korean food and they also, you know, they also need vegan food. Let's mash those up and create something where there's a space for it. In 2017, when I started to feel personally uncomfortable with the amount of division I was seeing in the United States and when I started to feel that perhaps there were some people who are a little unfamiliar with the immigrant story here in America, I thought, okay, why well, have 10,000 followers on Instagram? Why not start sharing little bits and pieces of what my family's experience has been like here, starting with their origin story? Where did they come from? Maybe somebody would find that valuable, insightful. Maybe it will make them think certain things that they hadn't thought about before so I started just adding these captions instead of oh here's the recipe I would say well you know here's a little story about my first day of school I didn't speak English and it was a little scary (laughs) you know or here's a story about my mom and how she almost died when she was an infant because she was in the middle of a war so Mm -hmm. those are the captions that I started adding to my Instagram and that is what ultimately evolved into the voiceovers you're talking about
0: Mm, so did you know a lot of these stories or did you have to go back to your family and say, all right, give me more, give me more of this history. Cause I know, you know, when I, up until my mom got, my mom got sick. And then after 14 months passed away during that time, I was constantly like, let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. Like what, what really happened? I was trying to get so much of what I hadn't asked during those years where she was completely healthy. I could not
1: empathize more with what you just described. I feel like that was with my grandmothers who helped to raise me. I never did that with them. And part of that was because of the massive language barrier that prevented us from being intimate in that way from a storytelling perspective. But I was like, I'm not making the same mistakes with my mom and dad because they speak fluent English. There's really no excuse. So to your question, I didn't know. I would say I didn't know most of their stories. Oh, and one of, so you know, neat. I know. And that is one of the biggest gifts that they've given to me is is sitting down and, and sharing this. And it, it entails a lot of work. They've had to revisit some old trauma, and some you know lingering wounds from their childhood i mean they grew up against the backdrop of the korean war they were both homeless poverty and refugees so there's a lot of trauma packed into their childhood stories and yet they are willing to go back there Mm -hmm. because they want to be seen by their american daughter and i find that to be just the most beautiful courageous thing that they've ever done for me and it has been the most rewarding aspect of the Korean
0: vegan is giving me that. You have this amazing story about your dad. Can you share that one? It just, it touched my heart. I literally got tears in my eyes when I read it.
1: Yeah. So, well, there are a lot of stories about my dad. People love hearing about him, but I think the one that always gets to me and this one came out like randomly, we were eating at a restaurant, my husband and I and him, the three of us. And Literally, we put our forks and chopsticks down. And he goes, you know that one time your grandma fed me swamp water? And I was like, (laughs) what are you talking about? (laughs) Like, literally, what are you talking about? He said, your grandmother saved my life by feeding me swamp water. And I know my father loved his mother, like loved his mother. Mm -hmm. And when he told me this story, it made me understand why. This is right after 1945, after World War II. My father's father had left. He had to flee where they lived because he had worked for the Japanese government and you know, the Japanese government was ousted after 1945. My grandmother was thus essentially a single mother in North Korea. Eventually, of course, she determined she had to leave. She had to go back and find her husband, but she had to get past the 38th parallel, which was guarded by Russian and Chinese communist soldiers. And so what she ended up doing was she, you know, in the middle of the night, she figured that in the darkness, she could get past the parallel and the soldiers. She walks up to the you know, boundary. She sees the soldiers up there guarding it. And on her back, my father, who is an infant, is crying because he's thirsty. And she doesn't know what to do because he's making so much noise. They're never going to get past the soldiers at this rate. And so she sees to her right this dirty rice paddy, very filthy water and she has no choice so she kneels to the ground and she cups a little bit of that dirty swamp water as my father called it and feeds it to my father and sure enough he quiets down and then amazingly she kind of shifts the weight so that she's holding my father in her arms and then she kneels down even further sinks all the way up to their necks in that dirty filthy you know swamp water And she, you know, sneaks across that parallel and eventually walks on foot all the way to South Korea to reunite with her husband. And my father, I think that story really explains so much why he loved his mother so, so much.
0: Mm, You know what? Even hearing you say it again, I get the chills. It's, It's incredible. And because of what you're doing, because of this passion hobby that you started out you've been able to find out so much more and understand your parents even better because of what you're doing it's just I I it is so incredible. okay. So now you have this, you know, things are starting to take off, as you said, you know, 10,000 followers, you're going to start to give a little bit more of the history because of the division of, you know, what's happening with, you know, the immigrants and, and you're starting to make a cultural impact as well. And at some point you create the the video <laughs> that really takes off can you share with us first off did you in any way think like this was a special video or did you think this no. is just yet another one any <laughs> you know what was that how many had you done it before that even happened well to be fair i
1: had not done a lot um that's one of the fun exciting things about tiktok is your very first one could go viral it wasn't my first one but I'd only had TikTok for maybe like a couple of weeks at that point. And I had experimented, like you had said in the introduction, with a lot of different kinds of video that weren't food. And that was by design. I was like, I want TikTok to be about just nothing related to food. I already have my Instagram, Facebook, and all the other things. I just want to be here for other reasons. Then I saw other creators doing the same thing. I was like, I could do this. (laughs) You know, I've been doing this for a long time. I could do this. So I literally threw my really crappy iPhone at the time up against the wall while I was making dinner again. It was very similar to those first early Instagram posts, just chop, chop, chop. I barely had any idea how to use the app. And you can tell when you watch that video, you're like, this girl does not know what she's doing. And I did that. And I woke up the next morning and it had over 600,000 views.
0: And I was completely, okay. I had no
1: idea. Okay. <laughs>
0: So you barely know how to use TikTok. You're like, uh, you know, you throw up your phone and you just, you you post it like you've been doing across, you know, all different types of platforms. Yeah. You've been on TikTok for a couple of weeks at this point or close to, and all of a sudden you wake up. Did you look at your phone? You're like, wait, what?
1: <laughs> you no, know, that's exactly right, Hillary. I literally didn't understand what was happening. I was like, "Wait, is this number correct? Like,
0: is this a how, much, how many other like videos had you done, and what were you getting at that time?
1: So, I think at the time, like you know, I was very used to getting like two thousand views, mm-hmm. like uh, three hundred views, like that. That's very normal in the very beginning, and so to wake up and see six hundred thousand. I do remember thinking like, oh, this must be (laughs) be 6,000. Did you hold
0: on? Did you have to like remind yourself? Like, what, what, what did I say? What did I, what was I doing? I would think like, hold on, wait a second. I'm so overwhelmed by this. Like, what, what was it? What was the magic? Did you, I mean, what went through your head?
1: Oh, well, I literally was like, it must have been because Anthony was playing the piano in the background, um, you know, yelling at his piano student, giving a piano lesson. I'm like, "That must be the secret." Or maybe it was because I used maple syrup, and people are really angry that I'm using maple syrup. Like all of those things ran through my head, Hillary, because you're trying to unbox something that is completely unexplainable.
0: Okay, so I'm going to pause. We got to go for a quick break. But when we get back, we are going to find out how Joanne finally realized what the secret sauce to what she had done with her video going viral. So don't be gone. We're not going to be gone long. Stay right here. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by my very own Labor of Love, my most recent book, Relaunch. This book is a collection of my stories, other stories, and is a motivational guide to living a new 3HQ lifestyle, sparking your heart to ignite your life. It's available for purchase via Amazon. Get ready to try on the 3HQ method that I've been using for years throughout my entire life, reaching the next level in all areas, both professionally and personally. Get your copy today at www.therelaunchbook.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I'm here with Joanne Molinaro. And I have to say, I am having the time of my life because, one, the stories are so great. But then, if if you haven't listened to the beginning, go back, rewind, do all that. But also, as we left, I said, you know, we're going to come back and hear when she finally knew specifically that it wasn't her husband's piano playing that was doing it. (laughs) So Joanne, how did you narrow down like the secret sauce of that first video that when you went to bed, it was just a normal normal TikTok post and you woke up with 600,000 viewers?
1: Yeah, so I continued to post more food videos. I was like, well, maybe people just like Korean food and, or maybe people like vegan food. I don't know, I'll just keep, Posting videos of myself again. I gotta cook every day. I might as well just throw up my phone. But eventually, what I ended up doing was, you know what? It's crazy to try and pack in recipe instructions in sixty seconds. Like this is like so hectic and like panic. I'd rather use that time to share a story to talk about something that's actually impactful and meaningful, just like I did with the captions on my Instagram. So one day I literally took one of those captions and I kind of like edited it so that it would be, you know, not too long to fit within 60 seconds. And I read it out loud while I, you know, was cooking and then doing all that. I think I was making like a tenjang or something like that. And that video went viral. And so I kept doing that. I kept just, you know, taking video with my phone of myself cooking for dinner. And instead of saying two tablespoons of garlic powder, one teaspoon of soy sauce, I would just say, you know, there was this time when I ran the Chicago Marathon and my father was there and this is why it was so important to me. And that went viral. And all of a sudden I was racking up millions and millions and millions of views and I went from, I think like 6,000 followers to 900,000 followers in a period of about three months. And that's really how things radically changed in my life.
0: So when you were doing this, you, did you first have the video just of you cooking and then did you do a voiceover at Yes. Okay. It is so impactful. You now, I think you have 3 million TikTok are they viewers? (laughs) Followers. Yeah. Yeah. Followers. You said to me, you're like, now you need to do it. And I said, well, that's a really interesting story. If my kids are all listening, I know, I know this is going to happen, but here's the thing that I want to share with people from your opinion. And you, you know, I'm sure that everyone always wants to ask, what do you suggest today? If somebody is, First off, how often are you now dividing your time? You said, hey, I'm still a practicing attorney. How much time do you dedicate to one versus the other? Right
1: now, I would say 99% of my time is to the Korean vegan. And 1% of my time is to my law firm. And that's because we have this great relationship. They understand that my full-time job is the Korean vegan and they fully support that. And part of it is because I generated so much goodwill with my employer for 17 years before they were like, we love you. We don't want to lose you. We'll keep you at whatever capacity you are able to give to us. And they fully support it. So right now, as I'm sitting here today, I'm here for... A Foley thing, a, you know, a lawyer thing right now. So I do give myself to that, but the vast majority now is to creating beautiful content for my channels.
0: And so, was that a decision that you made? Like you actually said, I'm going to now focus in on the Korean vegan.
1: It absolutely was because I had to withdraw from partnership, which was a really difficult decision. Obviously, I'd worked my entire career to make partner, and being a Korean American partner at a large law firm is a huge thing. And it was a big part of my identity. My parents, my immigrant parents, were very
0: disappointed
1: <laughs> <laughs> in my decision to withdraw from partnership. But ultimately, they've come around and they now. For us that don't know, I gotta <laughs> ask you
0: this question. So, could you go back? and finish it up and get, or do you have to start over?
1: I probably could go back, but it's just not something that I foresee. I, I like you but said. But the
0: decision, but I love the fact that you had to make that decision. Oh, to I Make did. the decision to be all in on this passion on what you're doing on what you're creating. Is your husband involved in the Korean vegan now? Is he, he is. part of- Ah, So you've really taken that whole, you know, next level of that too. I mean, and you got married.
1: Yes, (laughs) we got married in 2018.
0: (laughs) And so now you've got, you know, are are you, what, what big plans do you have for the Korean vegan in, in this next year?
1: So two big things. I am writing my second cookbook and that is going to take me probably another year to finish up it's going to have a lot more recipes and a lot of writing again. So hopefully people will like it as much as they enjoyed the first one. And the other thing that's been sort of a surprise for us is we started a podcast a couple of months ago, and I enjoy it immensely. It's just another way of creating community and developing empowered people through just sharing stories and and being vulnerable. So much of I think what is so powerful about what you do, Hillary, is promoting vulnerability and and demonstrating how empowering it can be.
0: Mm-hmm. And people, you know, when they finally get to the point where they're willing to share their story, people want to listen. Yeah. You know, everyone wants to say, hey, how do I become, you know, that I don't want to be the wallflower anymore. I don't want to be the best kept secret. Share. Share your story. So absolutely. I really- I'd love to ask you tips that you would recommend to people that want to start to get into or elevate their game in social.
1: Well, I think one of the things that you had said in the beginning is consistency. I think you absolutely need consistency and figure out a way that you can be consistent. For me, because I was a practicing full-time lawyer, I was like I'm not going to, you know, pull out my DSLRs and, you know, be all fancy with my photography at first. It was with my phone and it was when I was cooking dinner. I wasn't going out of my way. So I think just figuring out a way to accommodate your existing schedule is really important because if you try and bite off too much more, then you're not going to remain consistent. You're going to burn out quickly and you're going to be like, oh, I suck and you're going to lose confidence and you won't stick to it. So do something a little bit easy. I think the other thing is, is to find community. For me, I fell naturally into the vegan community on Instagram and I made a lot of friends along the way who helped me, who guided me, who provided me with a lot of insight into here's how do you use Instagram? Here's what kind of worked for me and here's what didn't. And it was really helpful to have that sort of mentorship early on. And then I think the third one, you know, I love this quote by Amelia Earhart. She says, the the best way to do it is to do it. And <laughs> you <laughs> know, know, sometimes we like, yeah, we sometimes forget, like, don't just sit there and be like, I need to have the perfect plan before I start my TikTok. No, just, just go do it. Just go post something, even if it's an ugly post. My first viral post was like the ugliest video of all time. So,
0: Are you speaking to me right, right now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know, Hillary. There's probably a lot of people in the same boat.
0: <laughs> and so, when you finally, how many, how many years did it take you to finally say, "I'm all in"?
1: It took me, I would say, five years. So I want I, you,
0: I want people to hear that it took 5 years to the point where you're like all right now I'm going to yeah. go I'm going to let them know about what I'm doing I'm not going to go for partner I'm actually going to put 99% of my you know my mm-hmm. time towards it so important people all think this is going to be you know something I've got something I'm really passionate about it you know on average 3 to 5 years is what it takes to be able to really start to see the fruits of your labor, right? It takes time. Absolutely.
1: I love this idea of a relaunch. And I think sometimes people hear the word launch and they think five, four, three, two, one, launch. And that's, <laughs> that's not really how it works. The, the biggest and most important thing you can do for your dream, whatever your dream is, is to ensure that it has enough time for it to actually grow and materialize. And if that means you need to take time to save money, to really think about it, to be intentional, to build a support system, to build an infrastructure, so that once it does launch, it actually has the sustainability it needs to soar into the air, then why not take that time instead of putting all this unnecessary pressure on yourself? No, it needs to be five, four, three, two, one. It really doesn't need to be. And it certainly wasn't the case for me.
0: Mm. So you right now have a lot on the horizon that you're going to be doing and your parents now, your parents, you know, have this awesome relationship. You're exploring. They're, they're more comfortable now with you know everything you're putting out there. Everyone knows their life too, which is, you know, always an interesting, the dynamics with your parents, with your family. Can you share with us what's gone down?
1: Yes. So I can now talk to my mom and dad in a way that I never was able to. And that always gets me emotional because I know that my my time with them is very limited now. You know, they're in their seventies. My father is getting close to 80 years old. My grandmother died when she was in her early eighties. So I try to treasure every moment that I have with them. And I also know, Hillary, that not everyone gets to say that about their relationships with their parents. And so I find that I am so like unspeakably grateful to God, to whoever who blessed me with the kind of parents that I have who love me so unconditionally and have given me the safety that I needed to grow into the person that I am. So everything that I do is about honoring them until they die. Like I want them to feel like there is this beautiful space that's been created for them.
0: Oh, you're so great. And share with us where people can find you your podcast that you are so passionate about right now.
1: Yeah, so the podcast is you can find me on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, wherever, pod, you know, podcasts are. I'm the Korean vegan on
0: everything, every social
1: media platform that, Notice exists, that with branding but...
0: everybody. She's very yes. focused. Well, yes. listen. Joanne, such a pleasure to have you here. You are just, as I said at the beginning, you know, such an incredible, incredible inspiration to all cultures out there. And it's been a pleasure getting to know you and reading so much and and all the different things I've been able to experience with you. So thank you so much. And everyone, go over, check out the podcast, the Korean Vegan, and, and literally go back and watch this first video that went viral on TikTok and start to follow start to follow her. Joanne, again, thank you. And everybody, next week, I'm gonna be actually going deeper into what Joanne and I were talking about right now, which is when you decide to switch from a corporate, or a job that you have been in and you want to switch it up and start to do something that is definitely more in your G zone, in your wheelhouse, and you're passionate about. We're going to talk about how do you relaunch into a new opportunity. And so I look forward to having everyone back next week. In the meantime, live now, love now, relaunch now. We'll see you next week. You've just heard another episode of the Relaunch Podcast. If something shared in this episode resonated with you, please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others to inspire them to take the small steps that lead to a life full of purpose and possibility. And remember, you can have immediate access to the show notes and any giveaways at the relaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next week, now is your time to relaunch your transition into a transformation.